You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. GDPR fines and their implications, a reminder about MageCard and some notes on its recent interest in scanning for unprotected AWS S3 buckets. Agent Smith of Gonzhou, not the Matrix, is infesting Android stores with evil twins of legitimate apps. BinSpy is out and about in the wild again. Carol Terrio explores the risks facing financial firms. Daniel Druns is the catfish face of a gang that stung a U.S. government contractor for millions in goods. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, July 11, 2019. This has been a week of record fines under the European Union's General Data Protection Regulation. As we've noted, Britain's Information Commissioner's Office has whacked both British Airways and Marriott with stiff penalties for breaches of customer information they sustained. The fines were respectively over £183 million for the airline, £99 million for the hotel chain. Given the high regulatory risk that accompanies GDPR, it's worth noting that the British Airways breach was the work of the card-skimming gang behind Magecart. And Magecart is newly active with a disturbing new approach to theft. RiskIQ reports that Magecart's online card-skimmers are actively looking for unsecured AWS S3 buckets. The gang has spread its skimmer code to some 17,000 domains over recent months. They've gone for reach and not precise targeting. Some observers find the ability to scan for exposed databases and the willingness to do so particularly alarming. AWS comes secure by default, but many, perhaps most, enterprise users will change those settings at some point and all too often neglect to notice that they've done so and sometimes forget to restore them to secure options. It's worth checking on your settings if only to keep the ICO's wolves from your door. Speaking of the Information Commissioner's Office, it's also issued a warning this week to law enforcement agencies about their responsibilities under GDPR for data collected by facial recognition technology. Checkpoint is tracking Agent Smith, Android malware whose name is an homage to the villain of the Wachowskis' film The Matrix. Agent Smith replaces legitimate apps with imitations that carry adware and that have the capability in principle to do more than that. Its appetite is said to be voracious. It will attempt to replace every app it finds on a device with a plausible but malicious double. According to ZDNet, researchers have traced the operators behind Agent Smith to an unnamed company based in Guangzhou, China. The company's legitimate business is helping app developers publish and promote their apps overseas. They also apparently operate an illegitimate malware business behind this front, one which was confirmed in part by the company's job postings, which suggested ongoing work to develop malicious code. Agent Smith has been out as a garden-variety adware threat since 2016, 
but late last year evolved into the more sophisticated threat it represents today. It originally turned up in the third-party app store, Nine Apps, but its controllers appear to be working toward establishing a foothold in Google Play as well. Most of its 25 million victims so far have been in India, Bangladesh, and Pakistan, but there have been infections reported in Australia, the United Kingdom, and the United States as well. Financial organizations generally enjoy the reputation for having their security house in order. Makes sense because that's where the money is. But with the continuing growth in the adoption of mobile devices, they've got their work cut out for them. Carol Terrio has the story. Specialist firm in mobile security Wandera have released a report in which they effectively call out the financial industry for poor mobile security standards. So I got to speak with Michael Covington, a VP at Wandera, to share a few report highlights with us. Michael, thanks for chatting with us today. I really appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. Now, you have said that in the financial services industry, you found it disconcerting to find mobile security still being an afterthought. Was this your conclusion after you pulled together all the research into, into the financial industry and their practices? It was. And, you know, I think one of the things that's interesting about financial services is the amount of private data that they maintain as a result of their business. And you would think that all computing elements that touch that data would have some form of security to protect it as it's being utilized by employees. One of the things that we found from this study is that that doesn't appear to be the case on mobile. Wow. So it seems that not all is tickety-boo when it comes to cybersecurity. Tell us, what are a few of the highlights from your findings in this report? Well, you know, there's good news and there's bad news. And I'll start with the good news because this may come as a surprise to your listeners. Uh, One of the things that we found from our study is that financial services is pretty consistent with what we see with cross-industry statistics around mobile malware. And the reality is that it's quite low in the business environment. We found that on Android, less than 1% of devices are actually impacted by mobile malware. And on iOS, it's even better. It's, it's almost zero. But I think where we have real concern is around some of the, the threats that people don't always think about applying to mobile. Phishing, for example. That's what we'd say is probably the most important or relevant threat today for, for mobile employees. And we found that within financial services, more organizations across the board were impacted by mobile phishing than we see across all other industries. So it almost seems as though financial services employees are being targeted, but they're not being trained or being provided with the right tools to protect them against the new uh, threat vectors that are being utilized to kind of levy these phishing attacks, SMS, social networks, et cetera. Yes, you'd kind of say almost that they're hacking the human inside the financial industry, so to speak. It's a great analysis. And I think, you know, there's a a very uh, strong belief that mobile devices are built well, that they protect information kind of by default. And, you know, generally we see that mobile devices, the operating systems that they utilize are pretty well built from a security perspective. They still have flaws. I think the vulnerability that we saw with the WhatsApp communication tool just a couple of weeks ago really highlighted how the the vulnerabilities and the, the risk exposure that companies face on mobile is quite high. 
But at the same time, we see attackers kind of being mindful of that fact as well. It's easier to hack a human than it is to hack a device or uh, an application. I wonder if many companies are just not hiring or getting in the expertise in the mobile arena. So they're basically taking, well, we know how to protect computers. We'll just apply the same logic to mobile. And in fact, it's a very different platform and, 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 and concept, isn't it? It really is. And, you know, it's hard to fault financial services exclusively here because mobile is one of those emerging technologies. Yeah, it's been in the workplace mm-hmm. for a number of years now, but we're really hitting a point right now where I think the, the number of employees that are equipped with mobile and the amount of data that's moved out of a protected data center and into kind of public cloud is at that inflection point now where we really do see more and more of that data being put at risk as it's being Mm. pulled out of those uh, data repositories and being utilized by those mobile employees. And I think now's the time to really uh, upskill those employees and get them more focused on mobile because that's the future. So that would be your big takeaway for not not just for companies in the financial sector, but for all companies. Train your employees to be your, well, effectively your first line of defense. Absolutely. You know, I think employees, when it comes to mobile, employees are not only the first line of defense, they're a big part of the solution. One of the trends that we've seen within financial services in particular is a really high adoption rate of BYOD. Mm. I think Forrester has put the the statistic at 64% of devices as a whole in financial services being (laughs) employee-owned. And if that's the case, you have to rely on your employee to install the tool that will keep them safe and to kind of deal with alerts as they are often raised. And so if the organization is going to make a decision to push that responsibility down to the user, they really have to equip those users with the right tools and the right training to do something with it. Michael, thanks so much for your time today. This was Carol Terrio for the CyberWire. Forbes reports that Kaspersky has found new infestations of FinSpy in the wild, suggesting that the spyware continues to find users among governments in many corners of the world. FinSpy, a product of the Gamma Group, belongs to the lawful intercept family of security products. It intercepts messenger traffic, including traffic from such widely used services as Skype, Telegram, WhatsApp, Signal, WeChat, and BlackBerry Messenger. The spyware is normally installed either through a malicious SMS message to the targeted device or directly by obtaining physical access to the device itself. Gamma Group insists that it sells only to legitimate government agencies for legitimate law enforcement purposes. So, FinSpy would be comparable to other law enforcement tools like wiretap equipment or bugs, the sort of surveillance tool that in the United States, for example, and in many other countries as well, would be used only with a duly authorized search warrant. But there are some problems with this. First, Gamma Group was hijacked in 2014 and some of its code was leaked. That code has turned up in criminal knockoffs of the original product. And second, not all the governments who buy lawful intercept products use them with due attention to generally accepted notions of human rights. The instances of FinSpy Kaspersky has been recently tracking appear to originate in Myanmar, and that government's human rights track record has been questionable, to say the least. An unnamed U.S. defense contractor was tricked into sending sensitive, highly classified communications intercept equipment worth about $3 million, to an international criminal gang. A search warrant request the U.S. Department of Homeland Security filed with the United States District Court for the District of Maryland revealed the details. Homeland Security Investigations asked for Apple iCloud information pertaining to four email accounts of interest. The incident appears to have been a spear-phishing scam, 
executed by Hoods posing as a fictional U.S. Navy contracting officer, Daniel Druns. The criminals were allegedly in email correspondence with a Maryland firm identified in the affidavit only as Company B. They posed as a U.S. Naval contracting officer, Daniel Druns, and used a bogus U.S. Navy email address. It was daniel.druns at navy.mil.us. Do you see the little rift? navy.mil.us. A genuine U.S. Navy email address would use the domain navy.mil without the .us. The scammers are being called the Druns Gang in honor of the catfish they hid behind. The comms intercept gear is the important and worrisome item misappropriated, since such equipment is on the United States munitions list and therefore falls under ITAR controls, those are the International Trafficking in Arms Regulations. And of course, the equipment is said to be highly classified. The crooks made off with more than just the comms intercept gear, too. Their take included $6.3 million in televisions and $1.1 million in iPhones and iPads. Those will be a lot easier to fence than the classified equipment, but the Druns gang will probably find a buyer for that, too. After all, you don't swindle a contractor out of intercept kit just so you can steal Netflix in your she-shed or man cave. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program. Quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. In the dynamic world of enterprise security, identity architects and IT leaders face a major challenge. Growth by repeated acquisitions multiplies the complexity of everything. Multiple IDPs, MFA providers, policy engines that all need to coexist. This can lead to fragmented user identities and policies that create security vulnerabilities and add access friction. Strata Identity solves this. Now you can decommission unneeded IDPs and consolidate the ones you'd like to keep without rewriting apps or disrupting users, engineers, and app owners. Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using identity orchestration, Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io slash cyberwire. And joining me once again is Justin Harvey. He's the Global Incident Response Leader at Accenture, 
Uh, Justin, it's great to have you back. Um, I wanted to touch base with you on some things we've been tracking with GDPR. Um, it seems as though I, th- I guess people have been waiting. They've sort of been saying, hey, you know, years gone by with GDPR. When are we going to start seeing some big fines? And recently we've started seeing some big fines. Yeah, Dave, the, the jury has been out for over a year now. We in the industry have been waiting to see, does the EU have the teeth in order to drill down on GDPR? And as we've seen over the last seven days, the answer is yes, with mm-hmm. uh, two organizations being fined hundred and uh, over $100 million, and then the, the second one over $200 million. And uh, those of us in the industry who, who have been watching this very closely, we did not know if this was going to go over like a Led Zeppelin, where we'd see like million or two million dollar fines or even any fines at all. But it appears that they are uh, very serious about this. And what's even more curious is that one of the businesses that was singled out was actually uh, based in the United States. I think that should be a, a very big hallmark of things to come, uh, not only with United States businesses and international businesses doing uh, operations in uh, the EU theater of operations, but also how is this going to change regulations and fines of data breaches around the world, not just in the EU? Since you usually see for trends like this, it starts, there's like a pilot or there's a, there's a region that says, we're going to try this, and then it catches on, and then it spreads like wildfire. Now, in a situation like this, we, we, I'm thinking of you advising the, the folks you work with, the companies that you work with. Is there a sense that this removes, uh, knowing that these fine, that this is the way the EU is going to come at GDPR fines, I, I suppose that removes a certain amount of uncertainty, which is a welcome thing. At least companies know where they stand. Yes. And as an industry veteran, I'm actually excited about the GDPR and their ability to follow through. I think that this is a pivotal or watershed moment in cyber defense. So C-suites and boards are doing a calculus and they're essentially thinking if if the average uh, fine is let's let's pick uh, an average size of one hundred million dollars or one hundred million euros. Could they take 20 or 30 of that? Uh, against a potential loss and essentially invested into increased cyber defense spending. And Dave, I've got to tell you, if anyone took 20 to $30 million in addition to their normal spend and spent it on cyber defense, that would be like an adrenaline shot to the heart. Uh, hmm. I, I think that you know what we're telling businesses is they need to focus more on detection and response. So get that uh, mean time of detection and mean time to detect Uh, and respond shorter. So find stuff faster, respond to it faster, less on prevention, although prevention is not dead. And also still do the basics really well, privileged access monitoring, security operations doing the log management and the threat intelligence and monitoring, uh, multi-factor authentication. And of course, on top of all of this proper planning and testing of personnel processes in your technology array. But if you just, even if it's a tenth of what a GDPR fine could be. I think that'll really catapult these organizations that have stood up and are paying attention. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I mean, it's almost like it's a calibration event. You know, this this is this is the the zone that we're in now. Yes, I think that more organizations need to think about the likelihood of attack just as much as the severity. Uh, that's that's what risk management is about. It's about what could happen. 
what could be the impact? And of course, uh, what's the likelihood? And I, every week and every month that we see more and more incidents, those likelihood numbers are, are, are going up and up. And it's just a matter of time before most businesses, if not all businesses and organizations are hit by a cyber attack at one point or another. Hmm. All right. Well, it's certainly interesting to watch this as, as it proceeds. Justin Harvey, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dave. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Tomorrow.